Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I want to talk about my quite recent identity crisis, minor identity crisis. This happens like once a quarter, so it's very in character for me, but I also want to use it as an opportunity now that I'm kind of feeling like I'm on the other side of it, although I feel like life is just one ongoing identity crisis and there's no such thing as fully figuring out who you are. It's more like we're always in the process of finding ourselves, and it's one of those things that's like a journey without a destination. But anywho, I feel like I'm more or less on the other side of being like in crisis mode. So I also want to use it as an opportunity to highlight some tips for self-discovery and some things that help me when I'm feeling a little unstable and insecure about who I am and where I'm headed. So today's episode is filled with tips for self-discovery. It's also going to include some personal sharing about what I've recently been going through and everything in between. So let's dive in. I shared an email about a month ago where the subject line was, I'm having a minor identity crisis, lol. And if you don't get my emails, I send out very personal, quite lengthy notes about once a month to those subscribed to my email list. That's kind of the community that I share the most with. I'll occasionally remind them of new podcast episodes and things happening in the Mary's Cup of Tea world, but mainly writing. Obviously, I'm a writer. Writing is very therapeutic to me and writing emails, hoping that, you know, 
somebody at some point on the other side opens it, it just gives me an opportunity to flush out my ideas, put them into coherent sentences, and also build connection through that depending on what I'm going through. So in that email, I shared how I was just having this thing. And again, I'm still kind of in it, just not as like crisis mode, but I feel like I'm just growing and evolving. And a big part of that has to do with my work, both on social media and on the podcast and what I'm speaking and writing about. And the reason for this, or I guess what precedented this was as I went into this year, I knew that certain things in my life would kind of slow down. So although I'm working on a second book, which is so, so exciting, and I am hosting a retreat in Spain this May, I also know that the second half of this year, I promised myself that I wouldn't plan any more retreats until I finished this next one and had a chance to take a step back and breathe and reevaluate. Not because I don't love what I do, but because I want to make sure that it is sustainable before I burn out. So I'm definitely not burnt out right now, but I can totally see myself burning out soon if I continue doing my work in the way that I am. So that includes business things like creating a sustainable business model, making sure I'm taking care of my mental health and hiring people to help me and just approaching it in a smart way. And of course, doing what I love in a way that I love. But currently the way I'm operating is very much like go, 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 endless to-do list, not that much structure or intention. It's kind of just like always playing catch up. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate because I think as this world has been opening up, I feel like so many people are making plans and getting married and having kids and traveling and doing so many things that were put on pause. And thus we get invited to those things, you know, like all the weddings and gatherings and work is going full force. And some of us are back in the office. And for me, I'm back to doing retreats. So everything's just kind of picked back up full speed. And we haven't even had time to process what had happened. And Of course, the world isn't going to stop for us to process, so we need to learn how to stop ourselves and learn to almost process as we go instead of, again, waiting for that moment where we feel completely and utterly burnt out and we are forced to take a break. So that is the intention with this year for me and especially the second half of the year is that I really want to take like almost like a mini sabbatical. So Knowing this, I went into this year just feeling a little bit nervous about like finances and what's going to keep me afloat if not as much money is coming in. And then other things like, you know, I'm just doing so much for not as much compensation. And knowing that, I'm realizing that certain things that I've been doing just like aren't fully aligned with who I am right now. And one of those examples is like, I'm growing out of eating disorder recovery and body image content. And it's one of those things that I still love talking about it as a part of the journey, but I don't like talking about it as like the only thing or like just drilling the same thing over and over again, because what I have to do to do that is like literally bring up those old emotions and literally make myself feel the way that I felt when I was sick and then somehow turn it into a story that's 
empowering as opposed to like disempowering and helping other people and trying to give advice and also stay in my lane and not be a therapist. And there's just like so many things that I'm piecing together and it's quite emotionally exhausting. And aside from that, it just doesn't make me as excited as it used to, say, even two years ago when it was just a little bit more fresh. So as I'm growing, I know that my content needs to grow. But what they don't tell you about social media is that algorithms and Mark Zuckerberg, for whatever reason, they don't like, or maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe I'm blaming it on the algorithm when really my content is just not as interesting as it used to be. But anyways, it's like content about eating disorder recovery and body image and body positivity and obviously bikini pictures, like that is going to get so much attention. And if I'm not talking about that, or if I'm doing stuff that's not as like crazy, out there, controversial, like body positivity was five years ago, then that affects the algorithm. People don't see my posts. I start getting discouraged. I start questioning what I'm doing and who I'm doing it for and why am I exhausting myself when nobody's even paying attention. And in turn, that affects my brand deals because I've lost a lot of followers over the past year, like 20,000 followers over the past like six or seven months. And I've noticed it and the brands I've worked with have noticed it. And all of that to say like that also affects my income. So all of it is kind of like related to this minor identity crisis I'm having. And the reason why I'm sharing this is because it's really hard and I just feel for anyone and everyone, it's really hard to know who you are when you're in a position where you have to work and you don't really have the luxury to take a step back and figure out who you are. And it's just really hard to constantly be living in alignment to yourself when you're influenced by a lot of different factors. And the other little personal part about this is that I feel really guilty talking about this side of the business because I am so blessed and so fortunate and so privileged to be able to do this and work from home and have a certain level of freedom that I've always wanted and literally create content and write books and talk into a microphone about whatever the fuck I want to. So there's so many blessings to it. And I recognize that. And I know so many people are probably on the other side thinking, I wish I could do that. So I just feel really guilty expressing any sort of negative feelings or thoughts about what I do because I'm just afraid to like come off as an ungrateful bitch and like sabotage in that way. And I promise that is not what I'm trying to do. It's actually the opposite. I'm sharing this with you because the more honest I am with you, the more honest I am with myself, the more I can like pinpoint the problem so then I can find a solution that again, going back to that sustainability factor, it'll help me find a solution that is sustainable that will keep me doing this in a way that just feels good and, and continues to feel aligned with my heart because when it's not aligned, that's when it comes across as sleazy and trying too hard and I don't know just the burnout right the exhaustion and you just lose the passion and the fire which hurts even deeper because it's like everything you've always wanted so I don't want to do that ah, 
thank you for letting me get that off my chest. Like I said, it's just a little scary to to talk about it, despite feeling like I'm complaining about a first world problem kind of thing. But I hope that this gives you a little bit of reassurance that none of us really know (laughs) what we're doing and none of us at all times feel 100% solid in who we are and we are all on a journey of just recalibrating and constantly checking in and being like, hmm, does this feel good? Do I want to keep doing this? Okay, how do I want to keep doing this? And where people fall short is if they don't do that. So a lot of people go through life working jobs they hate or being stuck in circumstances, not knowing how to change them, and just feeling all this like resentful and bitter energy, not to mention feeling absolutely tired and demotivated and exhausted by it all. And it's because so many people have worked so hard that they've reached kind of that point of no return where taking themselves out of that hole is that much harder. Whereas I almost think there's something to these quote quarterly identity crises crises that I keep having because it forces me to recalibrate along the way instead of waiting for me to get completely burnt out and just completely spiteful and and just feeling gross about everything and not wanting to do anything about it, right? So because I kind of go through this multiple times a year where I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? I need to reevaluate. Even though I hope that moving forward, I can work on myself and work with my therapist to make it not as like dramatic and emotionally volatile. I do enjoy the process of figuring myself out and I'm no longer so resistant to it and I no longer beat myself up over it. And also big reminder that not only does this happen to everybody throughout different times of their life, especially transition points, especially when we're coming out of a global fucking pandemic, like we're all in that boat. And even more so if you're like in your 20s and 30s, and even more so if you're like a millennial, like trying to buy a house and navigate this world and have a family and and build relationships. And like, especially I think for younger people who are trying to get on their feet, because whether we like to admit it or not, This generation is faced with problems that are so much different and so much bigger than ourselves and so overwhelming, more so than past generations. I'm talking about like our grandparents. I don't think they had identity crises. I swear that is not the plural, but I'm going to keep saying crises. I don't think that our grandparents had this much going on in their mind not because they weren't smart, but because it really was a culture of like, go to work, come home, take care of your kids, right? And not to say that that's better or worse, but it's just right now we almost have the luxury of thinking about these things because hopefully most of us aren't fighting to survive, right? We're not living in war zones. Like my family comes from refugees, like things in Russia were really bad. So anywho, I'm finding myself rambling, but the point is that you're not crazy. This is uncharted territory. We're all going through it, and we get to navigate it together. So here's some tips that have really helped me discover who I am and, I don't know, like little habits and practices that have made it more 
pleasurable and fun to go through this process as opposed to chaotic and discouraging. Before I go into these tips that I have written down, I want to remind you that episode number 67 is called Advice for Finding Your Passion. So if you're specifically looking for advice on finding your passion, then refer to episode number 67. In there, I give a bunch of book recommendations as well, things that will help you discover what you really want to do with your life. And episode number 81 is called How to Follow Your Heart. So I feel like those two episodes are kind of related to what I'm talking about today. So if you're looking for more on this theme and want more about, you know, work and career stuff and also the esoteric spiritual emotional stuff about following your heart, then that's episodes number 67 for finding your passion and 81 for following your heart. I will link those in the show notes. So some things that have helped me with this self-discovery journey is, first of all, going someplace that inspires me. Thankfully, and I hope this is the case where you are, a lot of cafes have opened up. Maybe there's like outdoor seating or a relatively quiet cafe, or even if you just like go outside on a walk, but like in a different area that's outside of where you live, going someplace that inspires you in nature, in the city, wherever that may be, My personal favorite is a bookstore. I feel like in bookstores, you can basically browse other people's brains and see what resonates. And to me, like words speak to the soul. So if I open up a book, even to a random page, and I read something that I really resonate with, like it may open up something in me. And sometimes we don't know what we need until we hear someone else put words to it. That's why I'm so obsessed with words because they're so powerful in that way. That's part of the beauty of connecting with people, talking through things, working with a therapist is because they have this like outsider's perspective where if somebody is truly actively listening and can relate to what you're saying, then they'll be able to like paraphrase it and you'll feel so seen, heard, and understood It'll instantly strike a chord. You'll instantly find new words to explain the same problem. And when you find new words to describe the problem, then you come to the answer. There's this quote, I'm totally butchering it, but it's basically like half of the answer lies in your ability to phrase the question. So if you can ask a good question to yourself, or if you can, again, put words to whatever you're struggling with, then a lot of the answer can already be found within that because sometimes it's just all about getting that clarity. So again, went off on a tangent, but I guess the point of that was go someplace that inspires you. (laughs) Shake things up a bit, switch up your environment, go browse other people's brains and see what that can open up for you. Speaking of clarity, This was originally tip number four, but as I'm speaking, I think it makes sense to talk about it now. Clarity comes from action. So in order to discover who you are, you must take action. You cannot think your way into figuring out what you want because that is a slippery slope to rumination. And if you constantly keep running in circles, chances are you've already spent a lot of time thinking. You've already spent a lot of time 
using the same words <laughs> to describe the same problem. So that's why going outside and going into a new place, a new environment, talking to some people about what you're going through is going to help so much because it's going to get you outside of your head. So contrary to popular belief, self-discovery isn't just sitting and thinking. In fact, it's the opposite. It's trying almost not to think, which is why meditation can also bring up so many solutions and answers to our deep spiritual questions is because we actually pause that thinking, even if it's just for a moment. And another thing that can pause thinking is just getting into inspired action mode. That is what one of my mentors always called it. She says, take committed and inspired action. And remember, there's a difference between stopping to reflect, right? To you know, what I'm doing with retreats. Hopefully I'll be able to take a couple months to reflect about how I want to continue doing retreats. But I'm not going to just like sit in my room <laughs> and think, right? I'm going to be doing things throughout those couple of months. You know, I'll be traveling, I'll be seeing family, trying new things, all while letting it simmer in the background, this overarching question of what is my future with retreats by Mary? But regardless, you need to get into action mode because if you don't, then you have the risk of slipping into rumination where you, again, think about the same thing over and over again in spirals. So try new things. This applies to hobbies, projects, careers, relationships, spirituality. You know, you got to pick stuff up. You got to read them. You got to write. You got to try. You got to take the class. You got to talk to the person. You got to send that email. Like you, you have to still be in action in a very aligned way just to see what you like, what you don't like, what opportunities present themselves. Like just see where that takes you. Try not to like sit for too long. That brings me to the next tip for self-discovery, and you're so sick of hearing me talk about it, so I'm going to try not to talk about it too long, but journaling. Journaling, again, is one of those things that it's kind of like thinking, but it's different because you're thinking out onto paper. So you're essentially like pulling pieces out of your mind and again, putting them into sentences where words will come together in a way that you weren't able to put them when they were just stuck and trapped in the confines of your mind. Once you pull them out of yourself and you see things on paper and you can observe the patterns of your thinking, you're going to find things. <laughs> You're going to find answers that were always within you. So the way I recommend journaling is generally the way I journal is stream of consciousness. So it's just writing two, I call it two shitty pages per day. <laughs> the shitty part is really important because you don't want to get caught up in making it perfect. Journaling stream of consciousness is about the opposite. It's just kind of vomiting out into paper. And because you're writing by hand, that handwriting is going to slow down your thinking enough so that you can write it all out. But when you're doing stream of consciousness, you basically don't have any prompts or anything. You kind of just start writing and just start writing whatever you're thinking and you just see where that takes you. I know that feels daunting at first, but I'm telling you, like, put pen to paper, like physically put pen to paper. And if the only thing that comes out is, I need to take a shit, <laughs> then you write that. And then just keep going. I cannot tell you how many of my journal entries start with, I need to poop right now. Because for whatever reason, anytime I sit down with a cup of coffee in the morning and tell myself that I'm going to journal, the second I sit down to do it, my body just needs to go. But what are you going to do? So I write that. 
If that seems too daunting that you don't think you can accomplish that, then you can totally look up some journal prompts. There's plenty on Pinterest. There are so many resources that you can find online. You can even go pick up a journal at a bookstore. Fun fact, the book I'm currently working on is going to be a self-love journal, so hopefully that will give you prompts in the future. But for right now, see what you can come up with when you don't have that structure because self-discovery is about letting go and letting flow. Another tip that you can actually do this while journaling is a process called taking stock. And taking stock is basically just reviewing the past few months of your life or maybe a year and just seeing which activities have contributed the most to your joy and which activities have contributed the most to your resentment. So if you operate from a iCalendar like I do, then the easiest way is to look back at your calendar. If you don't operate from a calendar, another tip is to look back on the pictures on your phone. If you take pictures of things you did or just any memories in general, if you can scroll through those pictures and just start making a list of things that brought you joy and things that did not bring you joy or spark some sort of resentment or tiredness. So these can be social events. It could be projects you worked on. It can be family time, trips you've taken, whatever you did recently, take stock and see if you liked it or if you didn't. All that's going to tell you is these are the things that I enjoy doing and these are the things I don't really enjoy doing. And I know it seems like so basic, but we do so much shit that we hate doing and we force ourselves to do it and we convince ourselves that it's not that bad. But when you kind of see it in columns, then you can see, okay, moving forward, This is the stuff that I want to say yes to more often. And here's the stuff I want to say no to more often. And usually it'll be the stuff you don't really expect. Like, for example, if you took a random dance class with your friend, chances are that you didn't continue doing that. And it was probably really, really fun. But for whatever reason, you never went back because it's you know, it's hard to get out there and go to a class, especially when you're so busy. But seeing that on paper and being like, okay, well, this is actually bringing me a lot of joy. Why don't I do this more often? Why don't I make it a priority? Then you're that much more likely to do it moving forward. And the same thing goes for the stuff you did not enjoy. There are more opportunities to say yes than you think, and there are more opportunities to say no than you think. So take stock and see what comes up. The last thing that I want to end with, and this, I I don't know if this is good advice, (laughs) so bear with me, but one thing that I've done, or I started doing this actually in recovery, is this process of, I called it romanticizing your life. And apparently that's like a trend on TikTok now, which I think is so cool and also kind of wild that I was thinking in this way even before that. But one thing that I like to do when I'm just really, really feeling stuck and down on myself is I like to pretend like I'm the main character in a movie. And then I do things that main characters do. So (laughs) coffee shops and journaling and going to a bookstore and taking fun dance classes, like those are all things that I picture myself doing 
on a journey of self-discovery, like if my life was a coming-of-age movie, right? So in recovery, I would take these long walks down the river, and I would picture myself like, I don't know, healing in the mountains, and I don't know how to explain it. So this has helped me tremendously. It just makes me love my life even when I'm not feeling good all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it helps me just embrace the ordinary moments, the mundane, boring moments, the sad moments, because I, I know that, you know, it's part of the movie. <laughs> it would be kind of boring, actually, paradoxically. It would be boring if all of it was just happy-go-lucky and perfect all the time, like evolution and emotion and these hills and valleys and the whole storyline is what makes it interesting. And so when I think of my life from that perspective, it helps me be more like grateful and present in whatever I'm doing and pushes me to do these romantic-esque kind of things like being out in nature, dancing, writing, reading, like those, I don't know, artsy, creative, fun stuff. So the reason why I say that, I don't know if this is the best advice, is because I can kind of see it being like a dissociative coping mechanism kind of thing. So this is not professional expert advice at all, just a little piece that's worked for me. And maybe you can take the stuff that you think might work for you and just ignore the rest. So with that being said, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I feel like I rambled a lot, but I guess that's a part of self-discovery too. Sometimes you just kind of got to ramble and let things come out because some things just need to come out. And I just really greatly appreciate you listening and seeing that I'm human and I struggle with (laughs) things like this, just like we all do. It's normal. It's a part of it. And I hope that you can learn to embrace and enjoy all parts of it. So I love you so much. Thank you for listening, my self-lovers, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.